Well, good morning, church. Am I on? Okay. There. There I am on. All right. Good morning, church. It's good to have you. I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, I brought something with me this morning. Um, Some of you probably recognize uh, what this is. Uh, This is a plain old piece of ceiling tile. Have, Have anybody seen something like this before? Okay, uh, there's one of you. Good, good. That is, uh, that's positive. Well, for those of you that don't know, this is a piece of ceiling tile. Uh, millions of these all over the place. They're probably in schools, maybe in your house, certainly around this building. Uh, you put a drop ceiling in and uh, you get little pieces of tile like this. I'm assuming it's, uh, you know, something uh, compressed cardboard or something. I don't know if your experience with ceiling tile is like mine. Sometimes it feels like the prayers that I pray don't get past this piece of ceiling tile. Uh, Sometimes it feels like I, I will pray over something. Maybe I'll get on my knees, maybe I'll fast and pray. And yet this ceiling tile seems to catch all the prayers that I would like to give to God. Maybe your experience with ceiling tile is a little like mine. I remember several years ago when this, uh, when this idea really struck me. There was a seven-year-old. She was being just riddled with disease. Her poor little body was just slowly deteriorating because of tumors. And we were on our knees constantly. The the church was constantly praying. I just, I remember thinking after her funeral about a ceiling tile, about the reality of unanswered prayers. These days in my own life, very transparently, I have a sister who has kind of estranged herself from me. I can't really put a finger on just the last time I talked to her. It may have been maybe six or seven years ago. If you ask me for her address or her phone number, I couldn't give it to you because she won't give it to me. And yet day after day, I find myself on my knees before the Lord. Lord, would you please restore this relationship? Lord, would you, would you please bring Jenny back so that we can have this relationship again? And maybe you have something like that in your life. Maybe, maybe it is that you have been asking God to restore a relationship that just as of this moment is not yet restored. Maybe you have been praying on your knees for a child and, and you have been praying and been praying and been praying, Lord, please, please, would you, would you do this? Would you, would you respond? Would you answer? Would you receive this request? Would you hear me? And giving us a child. And, and yet month after month, year after year, it, it feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling tile.
Maybe you prayed for an opportunity. Good opportunities. Opportunities you're well qualified for. And yet it seems when the opportunity arises, you consistently get bypassed. And it's after some of those prayers, after some of those experiences in our life that we just begin to, well, if we're real, we begin to ask some serious questions about God, don't we? We begin to ask questions like, God, are you there? Uh, we begin to, to say to ourselves, why even bother with prayer? Why, why should I even pray? I mean, it causes me to ask questions. I, I'm, I'm the preacher, right? I should have all of this figured out. And yet, I, I come and I have some serious questions about God and prayer. Like, God, why should I believe that you answer prayers? But what about the Bible gives me confidence that you are going to respond that you hear me? Why should I trust that you will hear my cry? In the book of Luke, Jesus is uniquely found Seven times to be praying. Uh, Luke is the master of prayer. And on one of the unique occasions in which Jesus is found praying, one of his disciples comes up to him and requests that Jesus teach them, teach the disciples how to pray. And he does. He teaches them how to go about praying. He gives them a guide to prayer. He gives them principles to live by when it comes to prayer. Uh, many of you know this prayer. Many of you know it as the Lord's Prayer. Some of you might uh, know it as the Our Father. Jesus teaches them what to pray. But seamlessly... Jesus goes from what they should be praying to why they should believe that God answers prayer. Seamlessly, He goes from, from the how-to to the why we should pray. To the why we can trust that God actually answers our prayers. In this, Jesus gives these two hypothetical scenarios. He, he paints with a, a broad brush two scenes that tell us that God does, in fact, answer our prayers. He gives us answers as to why, to the, that we're constantly asking, why can we believe that God answers Prayer. Two scenes, two scenarios, two sets of questions. And Jesus answers our question this morning. Why can we believe? Why can we trust? Why can we have confidence that God answers our 
prayers. Will you join me this morning in Luke chapter 11? Join me this morning in Luke chapter 11. I'm going to begin in verse 5. If you're joining along with me in the Pew Bible in front of you, it's page 725. Jesus gives us two scenarios, two responses. Verse 5, He said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And the one inside answers, don't bother me. This door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give, get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, Though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, at first glance, we might be tempted to look at this uh, very first scenario that Jesus gives uh, of a neighbor who goes to his friend and say, ah, I got it. The answer to the question, why in the world should we believe that God answers prayer, is that we're just not praying right. That we need to be more persistent in prayer. In fact, in verse 8, there's many of your translations uh, that probably, instead of uh, uh, it's saying boldness or, or maybe even shamelessness, uh, that use the word persistent. Now, there's only one problem. While there are other parts of the Bible that talk about our persistence in prayer, in fact, we'll be there next week, this is not one of them. This parable is not about being persistent. Preacher, that's news to me. I've never heard that before. Convince me. You notice in this story that this man is never found knocking on his neighbor's door. Add to that that there's an assumption being made that he asks several times, and yet the text says he asks only once, and he receives. While we might make the assumption 
that this initial hypothetical situation that Jesus paints is about us just being persistent enough in prayer that we bug God enough that finally he will answer, we make the wrong assumption. This is not about persistence. So if it's not about persistence, if it's not just about knocking and knocking, if it's not just bugging God until he finally answers our prayer, if it's not primarily about us figuring out how to just persist enough so that God will hear us, then one answer does Jesus give us in this text about why we can believe that God answers prayer. Look at verse 5 again. Verse 5 says, He said to them, Suppose one of you... It's a hypothetical that assumes a negative response. It's a rhetorical question. And it ends... In verse 7, not at the end of verse 6. So in other words, he says, suppose one of you has this friend, and he goes to him at midnight, and the friend says, give me three loaves, and the guy inside begins to make all sorts of excuses. Hey, I got my kids. I'm already in bed. It's, all, it's late. Go away. The response that, that Jesus is anticipating that, that maybe we might miss is that everyone would laugh that off. Are you serious? No one would actually think that. No, no, no. If someone came to you at midnight, the automatic response was that of hospitality. How can I help you? Uh, if we were in the Middle East and we were reading this and we understood uh, the rules of hospitality, uh, they would laugh at that part. Because they know how ridiculous it would be for anybody to come to their door and ask for something and not give it away. And so Jesus is, is painting this very hypothetical question, uh, this hypothetical situation uh, with a negative response already built into it. Of course nobody would do that. Nobody who would uh, go to a friend at midnight, even, even though he, he comes late in the game, having had, had his children, are, nobody is going to refuse him. Why? Because in the ancient world, if you were hospitable, if you were in a community, not to respond, if you had bread and could give it, uh, was to bring honor or uh, bring shame and not honor upon your own household and maybe even your entire community. And so Jesus, the punchline in verse 8, he says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is a friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, this word for boldness, it, it, it kind of confounds all sorts of scholars and commentators throughout the centuries. Uh, it really means uh, better shamelessness. He, he comes with no sense of, 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 of proper etiquette, and yet he comes and he asks shamelessly. Now, we're not to see these two people as enemies. They're probably friends. But he says, even, even if, even if he comes rudely, of course he's going to get up because he's a good friend. 
And so the point is not one where we go, oh, gee, gee, God must be the character inside. Or God must be the character outside. It's really that of a contrast. If a good neighbor, if a good friend, if the best of friends will allow himself to be interrupted in the middle of the night and he will provide all of the daily needs that that person has because he shamelessly has asked, how much more will God provide? Is he not better than a great friend? Several years ago, my bride and I, this was pre-kids, we had a white four-door Geo Metro. You guys want to know how many cylinders that had? Three. Three. What a great car. Got a great gas mileage. And we had gone out to Colorado, uh, but we had known that it had some trouble with the alternator. I had just replaced the brushes inside of the alternator, and I thought, all right, we got it fixed. We went out, no problems. And we're on our way home. And we're just outside of Grand Island, Nebraska. We're heading to Norfolk at the time. That's where we went to college. Uh, it's about two, maybe two and a half hours from Grand Island to Norfolk. And I see the little uh, red light for the, the batteries start to flicker on and off on my dashboard. And I know what's coming. And I look at Jolyn. I said, there it is. We're just going to have to make it as far as we can. So we go and go and go until we just can't go anymore, and we just barely pull into this gas station. And somehow, this was like, okay, this is going to tell some of you, some of you students in the room that I'm older. We did not have a cell phone. We had to find some kind of a phone, and we called some friends. It was late at night, and we said, we're stranded. And we need you to come and get us. And they didn't even hesitate. Yeah, we'll be right there. Just let, let us throw some clothes on and we're there. And I don't remember how long the drive was, but I knew, do know that it was inconvenient for them to have to get up in the middle of the night. I do know that it was inconvenient for them to have to drive the distance that they had to drive in order to come pick some people up uh, because their car had broken down. And yet they didn't even think about saying no. And the point of the text is that if a friend will not consider saying no at a shameless request, then how much more will God respond to those who ask Him? How much greater is God than a good friend who will get up in the middle of the night to drive so that they can pick somebody up and take them home? Several years ago, I was... Uh, uh, in Illinois, and we had a, a church family there, and I remember one night, it was late, I got a call, it was probably 10 or 10.30 at night, uh, you know, it's about that time, the twilight hour, you're getting ready to go to bed, and I get a call, and it's Christy, and I know Christy and, and Jason and their kids, and we're all really good friends, and I, and I can tell on the phone that something's wrong. 
She says, hey, I just got this strange call from Jason. He's been working at the shop at the school, and something's not right. I have the kids here, but I need somebody to go over and check on him to make sure that he's okay. She's got anxiety on her voice. I know, absolutely. I throw on some shorts. I run over. I get in the car. I'm down, uh, down at the shop. The school is just a few miles away. I go into the shop, and what I see is incredible. I see a man who has nearly cut three fingers off in the table saw. Because he can't stand the sight of blood, he passed out as soon as he did it. When he passed out, he hit his head on the, the commercial grade planer that they had and gouged his head open. And I walk in and he's absolutely in shock. He looks at me like, hey Mike, how's it going? Jason, you're bleeding all over. You're, all he has around his hands is a, a, a couple couple wraps of a, a paper towel. I said, we need to go, man. Like, we, you got to go. We got to go right now. Oh, just let me finish up a few things. No, no, man, we got to go right now. We get him in the car. I take him down to the emergency room and he just keeps looking at his hands. Oh, I guess I messed up. Yeah, man, I think you did. I spent the rest of the night in the emergency room. We had to drive an hour uh, from that emergency room to the nearest hospital where there was a, a plastic surgeon that was hopefully going to be able to sew his fingers all back together again. I spent the rest of the night into the next morning in the hospital. Now, if I can do that, If I can answer the call and spend the rest of the night in the hospital just because I'm a friend, how much more? How much more can God respond to those whom He loves? Maybe you're in a place right now where financially you just need daily food, you need daily provision. Can I tell you, I, I, think, I think that you can look at God and shamelessly ask for the daily provision of finances that you need. Are you in a place where you have lost a relationship that's significant to you and you desperately need a friend that you can, that you can count on, a, a friend that, uh, that will be something of a confidant because you've lost something, you need, you need some sort of daily provision uh, for some relationship in your life that will carry you to the next day? I think you can ask shamelessly uh, to the, the God of the universe and expect that He will answer in some way. Are you in a situation where uh, your family is getting older? And whether it's, whether it's one has to go to college or another is just getting ready to go into school or, or older in the sense that your parents are getting older and you're trying to figure out how to, to manage all of that, I think that you can come to God in those daily needs for provision and say, without shame, Lord, will you hear me? Lord, will you hear this request? 
God is greater than a friend. How much more, how much greater is God than a good friend? But that's not the only scenario that Jesus paints for us in this picture. Let your eyes drop a few verses. Go to verse 11. Not only is God greater than a friend, but He's also more generous than a father. Why should we believe that God will answer our prayers? What confidence do we have that the God of the universe actually hears us? Well, He's more generous than a father. Look at verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now to you and I, this seems really odd, like fishes and snakes. But they would go fishing on the Sea of Galilee, and there were times when either the fish or the snake would look like a type of fish, or the, or the snake would be gathered up into the rest of the fish that they would be catching. And, and so the son is asking for something good. And, and it's just a hypothetical question. And we already know the answer, right? I mean, what, what good earthly father, if his son asked for something good, would automatically give him something bad? And, and not even just something bad, something that's going to harm him. Well, you know the answer. What is it? No, uh, no father's going to do that. Certainly not. Of course not. That's silly. And which of you, which of you fathers, if, if your son were to ask for something good, like an egg, would give him a scorpion? You see, if a scorpion's all wrapped up and you laid it on a plate, I suppose it could look like something like an egg. But the point is, if... if if an earthly father were to ask for something good, would you give him something that would harm him? Of course not. That'd be silly. Now, if an earthly father can do that, if you and I, uh, those of you men out there who are fathers who desire to give good things to your kids, if you and I can do that, How much more can God do it? How much more can He receive the prayers of those who love Him? Do you notice what God gives? He gives in abundance and more generous than a father. Notice what God is giving. Look at verse 13. If you then, though you're evil... Uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Not only can we ask God for our daily provisional needs, but we can ask Him for our spiritual needs too. What is it that God is giving? Well, hey, your good Father on earth might be able to give you an egg, but, but the Heavenly Father can give you the Holy Spirit. Now, up until this point, it's interesting. The disciples aren't asking for the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? They're not on their knees like, God, give us the Holy Spirit. 
Luke is already prompting what Jesus is going to give, what God is going to give to all of His disciples later on when He leaves. Why? Because He's a generous God who provides that which we need eternally and spiritually. He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Uh, Do you ever get a sense like God is already prompting your prayers before you even ask Him? There were several years ago, I was was the camp dean. I was uh, deaning fifth and sixth grade camp. It was incredible. What a week. And fifth and sixth grade is such a great, awesome, super great age. You know, like they're, they're figuring out, like they're, they're uh, you know, wanting to form their own identity and take responsibility. And so there's, it's, it's this great mix of still kids, but wanting to be adults. It's, it's, it's just this wonderful age. And there was this very mature fifth grader, like very mature fifth grader. I mean, he was already like more of an adult than I was at the time, right? You've met fifth graders like this? And he comes up to me, kind of sticks his hand out. I'm like, I don't, I, truthfully, I don't remember his name. He sticks his hand out. Mike, I thought you did a really good job with camp this week. I'm like, well, thanks. That's, that's good. I get to know him and I get to know his dad. His dad had come out that week for camp and his dad's name was Dewey. I found out that Dewey was a podiatrist. That's a foot doctor. I thought, great, uh, good for you. Glad you're a foot doctor. That's cool. Now, I'm a marathoner. I love running marathons. The older I get, the harder it gets. It hurts more. But back then, I I was running more miles than I can count. And I started having trouble with my feet. You see, there's a a band that runs along the bottom of your foot. It's called your plantar fascia. And when I would go out and run, I began to have trouble with my plantar fascia. It felt like someone was literally just jabbing knives in the bottom of my foot. Well, you can't run very far when someone's jabbing a knife in the bottom of your foot. And I thought, oh man, what am I going to do? This is like my stress release. I love doing this. What am I going to do? Wait a minute. I know a guy. His name's Dewey. He's a podiatrist. So I called Dewey up. Hey, Dewey, you remember me? This was Mike from camp. Your son said I did a good job, remember? Yeah, come on by. So I come in and I tell him what's going on and he immediately knows what to do. He says, well, you need insoles. Your, your arches are all fallen. And, and uh, he says, a good pair of carbon insoles will do it for you. Now, I don't know what that sounds like to you, but here's what it sounded like to me. 800 plus dollars. That's what it sounded like. 800 plus dollars that I didn't have to give. He had me come in. He did these foot form things. And before I left, he went up to his secretary and said, hey, give him the good guy discount. Now, why do I tell you that? 
Because sometimes God is working upstream in a way that He's answering your prayers before you know even to pray for them. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. And so I don't know where God is working upstream in your life. Maybe it's for a relationship that has not yet developed and you don't even know to pray for that relationship yet and God is already uh, bringing things together so that something might happen there. Uh, maybe it's an opportunity that, uh, that you don't even know to pray for yet and God has already got things in the works so that everything comes together. Why? Why? Because God is a generous Father. And we can trust that when we pray to Him, He's listening. When I was out in California just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to uh, listen to some lecture and uh, some discussion by a guy by the name of Pat Borden. Uh, he used to be a, a president, uh, Denver Seminary, a, a very fairly well-known guy, uh, very just great storyteller. And on one of the days, he told us a story about his son. He said his son was in high school, and and uh, his son, you know, was uh, you know going with friends to a party or something. And he said, "Hey, I need you to be home by midnight." No problem, Dad. We're good. He says, I don't know what kind of party this is exactly, son, but I want you to know that we trust you. Sends him out the door. It's 12.15, and his son hasn't come. It's 12.30, it's 12.45. Maybe you've been there as a parent, and you're anticipating, uh-uh, he's going to get it, I can't believe you're angry on one side and worried on the other. His son finally comes in close to one o'clock. His two friends were with him. Paul goes downstairs to meet his son. Hey, what's going on? Dad, I know you told me that we needed to be home at midnight, and I want you to know I was rounding up my friends at 11, but here's the problem they were dead drunk. And I wanted to make sure that they were okay. I stuck them in my car, made sure that they weren't going to drive home. I brought them here so that they could sleep it off. I would have been home sooner, Dad, but I had to stop several times so that they could throw up. I love you, Dad. I'll see you in the morning. Paul said, had my son asked me for $1,000 right then, I'd have given it to him. If a dad can do that, how much more can God? Why in the world should you believe that God answers prayers? What confidence does the Scriptures give us that we can Raise our voices to heaven and have something happen. Why should we trust that God hears us? Because He's greater than a friend. And He's more generous than a father. 
He provides our daily needs and our eternal ones. You don't need this anymore. You can rest assured that your prayers, they cut right through the ceiling tile. I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me as I read the last little bit of Scripture this morning. It's the essence of these two stories combined in verse 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For those who ask will receive. Those who seek will find. And those who knock the door will be opened to you. Let me pray. Lord, you're good. I stand in awe of your goodness. Lord, I confess I don't know all of why some things seem to be answered so easily and some other things don't, at least to our perspective, seem to be answered, but Father, I pray that all of us could leave this morning knowing that you are a gracious and good and holy God. That you are listening. That you love us. Lord, infuse us with a confidence that, that we know that you hear and that you'll answer. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' holy name, amen.